0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome back to the first team. I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always, my two co-hosts, Matt Sims, former NFL and college QB, founder of the Sims Complete QB, and Ryan Roberts, recruiting analyst for Irish Breakdown. Today, we've got our week six top performers, guys that balled out last week that we're going to be talking about. We don't have Jane Daniels because Ryan doesn't like him for some reason. Shut, I'm just kidding. Oh I'm just kidding. My God, I'm just man. kidding. We're not even
0: 25 seconds into the show, uh, man. It- it's a, i'm just joking i'm not can serious I give my own
2: impression what well, we're here on the first team podcast i'm joined with my two really cool po co-hosts i'm your co-host here and i want to keep going come on go man go hey man yeah, i have the control to like mute that.
1: you i will mute you and we me and that will do the show and you can <laughs> watch <laughs> us do the I show anyway. <laughs> no but i have the final cut so i can literally take you out of the show i'm just kidding i'm do not it. gonna Let's do like that do it Poole. We will eventually talk about Jane Daniels, though. He's been <laughs> phenomenal. I was just throwing that out there because uh, he has been great. But we have to give some love to somebody who had an amazing game that won him an important football game that thrust his team into the top five. I'm talking about Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. We're also going to be talking about Jermaine Burton from Alabama, who has had a nice couple of weeks, an amazing game against Texas A&M. And then lastly, we've got a defensive guy, Lietu Latu from UCLA, somebody I loved in the preseason. All that coming up on today's show. Starting us off with Dylan Gabriel, though, guys. He, I was extremely impressed by his pocket presence. That final throw, we'll also give credit to Walter Rouse for blocking two guys at once, but that final throw <laughs> with pressure in his face to deliver the ball back of the end zone, important spot, he did that all game. He also did a really good job of evaluating when to run when the run game was not developing for that Oklahoma offense. I know he's not a big guy. I know that he's not going to be a first-round pick because there are some physical limitations. But if someone like Brock Purdy is getting the shot that he is, I think Dylan Gabriel maybe shows some signs of similarities, but just in general looked really, really good this past week. I want to throw it to you first, Matt. What do you think?
0: I appreciate you throwing it to me instead of kicking it to me, my man. But uh, So (laughs) it's really uh, just a corny joke to go into what we were discussing earlier. Uh, Dylan Gabriel played phenomenal. Biggest stage, you know, for Oklahoma, for him this season. Are they a real contender in their conference, you know, or is it Texas is back and all of that, that, you know, you know, jargon that we've been continuing to hear. This dude played phenomenal. Texas was the better football team. Texas, when they watched the film, was probably sick when they were watching this game because they're more talented. They have more depth on both offensive line and scrim- uh, on lines of scrimmage, and they just have better skill players. And Dylan Gabriel really was the equalizer in this game. Didn't commit any turnovers, protected the football, understood the situation of the game, uh, played The way he needed to, according to what the down and distance was, what his team needed at that moment, making big throws across the field, which in college hashes, massive, unbelievable that he can he could spread the football outside the numbers the way that he did against a very talented Texas secondary and his overall toughness. I mean, the dude really moved well in the pocket, like you said, had great vision as he was moving the two minute drive to ultimately take the lead to win the football game probably one of the greatest moments in Oklahoma history and uh, it, it just it w- was just it, it encapsulated how the rest of the day went Dylan Gabriel performed above and beyond and really set uh, you know himself up to potentially be a Heisman candidate person as the season continues to go because he's going to continue to put up big stats. They're going to continue to be aggressive throwing the football down the field and their opponents for the rest of their schedule isn't as scary as what they saw in Texas. So Dylan Gabriel played phenomenal and was extremely impressed and enjoyed the watch.
2: I feel like everyone underestimates Dylan Gabriel and it's pretty easy to do so. Obviously, we'll talk about, I mean, he was the He's from Hawaii originally. He came in right after McKenzie Milton, after he had his, his terrible, catastrophic injury during his UCF career. And then he ends up transferred to Oklahoma. And, I mean, Oklahoma lists him at 5'11", 204. For the Oklahoma people out there, give me a break. He's not 5'11", and he's not 204 pounds. Either both of those are very false. He has a long <laughs> release as well. Mm. Arm strength is, is minimal. I mean, this, this kid's not an incredibly talented f- football player. But... He's a very good college football player because he understands his limitations. He understands how to win more importantly than understanding limitations. And you saw that in this game. I mean, I'll be full transparency. I picked Texas to win this football game by 10 points. I picked it 31-21. I thought Oklahoma is very improved, which obviously wouldn't be a 49 nothing game like it was last year. It was going to be much more competitive. But I agree, Matt. Texas is the better football team from a talent perspective. I think it's pretty substantial at this point. Like I think they are substantially the better football team. Oklahoma, though, and I'll give Oklahoma credit because I've been very critical of that coaching staff, especially very well coached coming into this football game. The team was very disciplined. I think they understand uh, Jeff Levy's doing a really good job with that offense. I think he understands what they're, the moving pieces and how to take advantage of their strengths. Brett Venables obviously has that defense playing at a much higher level than it was last year, which is to be expected since. Brent Venables is a great defensive mind. But Dylan Gabriel, man, put on an absolute show in this one. And the key thing for me is that he made some big plays. He made some plays with his feet, which were more important. I think he ran for over 100 yards in this football game he as did. well. Yeah,
0: he did. Yeah. But he was
2: also mistake free. He didn't kill himself in this game. The big, the, the big difference between the two quarterbacks in this one, Quinn Ewers made a lot of really great football plays in this game as well. And Quinn Ewers he played, played phenomenal.
0: I mean, he only threw six incompletions. So you're right. He yeah. played great. Sorry to cut yeah. you off.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. It's it's perfect context because I actually thought that Quinn Ewers played really good football. The issue is, is that he had two turnovers in this football game. That was the difference. You have one it's quarterback three. with two turnovers. Three. Yeah, the three. fumble. Oh, he fumbled one, too. Yeah. you right. two yeah. interceptions and a fumble. So he turned the ball over a couple of times. Dylan Gabriel played clean football, continued to move it down the field, atriculate the ball down the field. It was consistent throughout, <laughs> right? And I think that for me, I'm still not bought into Oklahoma long term for this season as far as I don't think they're going to contend to be in the conference, cha- or the conference championship. Their yes, their schedule is pretty soft. But yeah, well, should, sure, I, but I don't. I don't think if they make it into the playoffs somehow, I don't think that they're going to be a very competitive team. In they the are so this just, year's
0: t- that. TCU. That's really what uh, they are. Be. They are they are potentially yeah. this year's we'll like TCU, that. where they're finishing the year undefeated and they've exceeded all expectations because of this big win. And yeah, the 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 rest of their schedule really is in their favor. Now and one just want to point this out too. W- when you guys watch the game, does Dylan Gabriel somewhat remind you of Tua Tagovailoa and how he plays? I mean just bit. like Left quick here. decision longer making, yeah. a little longer yeah. release, quick decision, yeah. knows where to go with the football, has really good pocket awareness and movement, you mm-hmm. know, not like a phenomenal athlete but really does a good job of getting the job done. So I I thought it was a uh, a very impressive uh, comp by myself when I saw that the other day
2: <laughs> and he's from Hawaii thrown well out there a lot yeah yeah.
0: yeah right <laughs> I know I didn't even think
1: of that that's right <laughs> uh you heard it here first before the broadcast team had brought up to uh, two as the comp Matt had it sure. first but Lietu Latu though from UCLA has been a part of a very under talked about UCLA defense we We've all heard the talk about Dante Moore, who's been up and down this year. He has shown us the flashes of why he was considered to arguably be the best quarterback prospect last year by some. But he's also had some lows being a true freshman. It's difficult. He's being really supported by a really good defensive line that is getting after opposing quarterbacks. They faced off with Cam Ward, who we spoke very highly of. And frankly, I think was on pace to maybe be in that Heisman conversation if it wasn't for the egg that he laid this past week against such a good defense. And Latu has been the biggest name for this group, finishing with three tackles and a sack in this game. I, in the preseason, went as far as to say I think that this is a guy that could, if we remove the injury history, could go late first round, early second round. I love his motor. I think he is very technically refined. He is not a a massive, physically domineering type of an edge, edge rusher, but the motor is what makes a guy like Latu so freaking good I know, Ryan, that you've got a lot of his background and maybe put some context on that injury history. But what do you have for us for Latu?
0: You're
2: not going to kick it to me? How about you? Can you long snap it to Shall me I, real quick? So okay. it, so bring that up one more time. I will. I'm I sorry, said Joe. You in
0: slack. I'm sorry, I Joe. I opened slack. up a can of worms for you.
1: <laughs> you did. I said it in Slack to, to Ryan. When I'm back in New Jersey, I'm going to fight you in a Dunkin' Donuts park parking lot. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: yeah, right. You don't live, in, kidding, Jersey. You live all... in New York. You. you Oh, stop it. Anyway, uh, Anyway, <laughs> um, Layatu Latu went to the University of Washington originally, was at Washington, broke his neck, had to medically retire from football, was literally out of football for over a year, ends up at UCLA, and no one really knew about it until last season when all of a sudden, 10 and sacks, all Pac-12, preseason All-American. He is going to be a very interesting NFL draft prospect because he is 6'4", 265 pounds, looks the part, has a similar background to Jalen Phillips, who was actually at UCLA and transferred to Miami and then also had mm. the medically retired because of concussions. Not a neck injury, but still medically retired at one point. But Latu, medically retires, dominating, 6'4", 265, good athletes. I think he's got really good nuance to his game. And I think that he plays with the tremendous efforts as a rusher as well. All those things together, you look at him on paper and I'm like, that might go in the first rounds, right? Like, that might be a first round pick right there. But neck injury, right? Medically retired, th- those things have to be sorted through a lot. Like, that's a lot of baggage on the background. So, got to figure out what the medicals ultimately look like for Latu. But he's playing great football. And I, I want to send a shout out because he's not the only one on that defense either. Gabriel Murphy, Grayson Murphy, the Murphy twins who were actually at North Texas and transferred over to UCLA before last season. This defensive line is very very good at UCLA. Who would have thought with Dante Moore as a true freshman having his up and downs that we would call a Chip Kelly led team a hmm. defensive team, but UCLA is that right now and they are a very good defensive team. This mm. isn't just a solid defensive team and a below average offensive team. This is a legitimately good defense at UCLA and to Latu is a big reason for that.
1: Make sure you check out BetOnline for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting-related, I go on over to BetOnline.ag and I use promo code BELIEVE50. BetOnline has all of the latest updated odds for the NFL and college football seasons. Anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at BetOnline. And again, make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V, 5-0 Five zero to get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts.
0: Yeah, and I want to just add the the reason why I think this UCLA team has been just performing lights out this year is because DeAnthony Lynn, uh, the son of Anthony Lynn, who is currently the assistant head coach and running backs coach in San Francisco, former NFL fullback, and a longtime uh, head coach assistant to Rex Ryan with the New York Jets. This is a guy that has been grown up in football, has been around the game as a coach and a player for his entire life. He was an assistant, uh, a graduate, or, or, excuse me, a quality control assistant, excuse me, in the NFL for multiple years under Rex Ryan and then followed his father over to Los Angeles when he was the head coach out there. And this guy, I think, really understands what he needs as far as NFL type of talent SEC type of talent that everyone says has been missing from the Pac-12. He knows what these players look like. He knows how to evaluate these players as good as anybody. You know, you could say whatever you want about Rex Ryan and those coaching staffs. But one thing you could say is they found a lot of big, strong, fast and physical football players throughout their history going back even with the Baltimore Ravens. Anthony Lynn, his father, was one of those football players that was under Mike Shanahan of those great Broncos teams that won Super Bowls. So D'Anthony Lynn and his experience has been an unbelievable shift as far as the powers out in UCLA. And now with that combination of Chip and him on the defensive side of the football, it's going to be a very dangerous football team. And it's going to give guys like Dante Moore, like you mentioned, time to learn on the fly but man I'm excited what I've seen so far from Dante Moore too so a lot of good things to be happy and excited about if you're a UCLA Bruins fan
1: yeah that that team right now is is looking pretty good and for the long-term future the development of some of these guys is going to help that defense for UCLA carry Dante Moore as he progresses and improves as a player maybe next year or the year after that UCLA team is is a very scary threat the pack oh I can't say the Pac 12 anymore, but the, in the big, big ten. ten. The Big, ten. In the big yeah. ten. Uh, once once he gets to that full development point, he is Definitely. still continues to show some some positive signs. Our last player, and this this is an interesting conversation to talk about with Jermaine Burton, who this past week against Texas A&M goes nine receptions for 197 yards, two touchdowns. Burton's a talented player. He had a good game. There's obviously things that we can take away from his performance, but there's a fun conversation to be had philosophically for the offensive play calling for Alabama because it's kind of like Golden State Warriors-esque offense in the sense that they're running the ball, they're trying to get Jalen Milrow and all the running backs involved running the ball, and then when they try to throw it, the only success that they have seemingly is when they just throw the ball deep, and a lot of the times they are connecting with Jermaine Burton, who had the game that he had, and he's had a couple of these other big plays in other games, because Jalen Milrow is really strangely more consistent at hitting the ball over the top than he is in that short to intermediate area. It's along those lines and why I say Golden State Warriors-esque in the sense that you take a lot of shots, you take a lot of three pointers, you're kind of trying to see if you can score all your points that way. If you shoot a lower percentage from three, you're still possibly able to outscore your opponent. I know that sounds a little bit odd, but right now that's what we're seeing from Tommy Rees And I'm curious to kind of open up this conversation for what we're going to continue to see from Burton and Jalen Milrow.
2: Uh, well, before we talk about Burton, Matt, can I issue actually issue a quarterback question as far as Milrow for what you've seen of him? Of course, it's been very odd because, like you said, Joe, they are completing mm. a decent amount of deep balls, and he's actually been a pretty uh, efficient deep ball thrower. I guess is the best way to put it. But he more than short intermediate, yes. Well. I mean, he's made some big plays in his games. It just has not been nearly consistent. But the consistency is the question I have for a person that works with quarterbacks so often. I watch Jalen Milrow, and I feel like, because how I've always learned it, is that quarterbacks can change arm angles to throw a football, but the release point is usually still very consistent to how you want the ball to come out. Mm -hmm. For me, I watch him, and I'm like, Sometimes he's short arming balls. Sometimes the release looks a little bit long. It feels like the the release points on his throws are changing so often. I don't know if I'm off base on that, but it just looks so maddeningly inconsistent for how he throws the football. So just kind of wanted your perspective on that because I, th- I think that's why he's been such a volatile thrower on the short to intermediate mm. routes because I just think that release point is just changing so often it seems like.
0: These are really interesting topics that I am excited to uh, discuss with you, obviously, being the quarterback nerd that I am. Uh, First, to discuss why he's such a good deep ball thrower. One, he is a talented thrower of the ball, right? He possesses great ability to just launch something. If it was a baseball, if it it was anything, he'd be able to throw it far, right? We know that for sure. Um, Why he's a better thrower deep is because he sees the, the play a little bit more clearly. When the play is a little bit longer, developing down the field, it's a it's a little easier, I think, for guys that are talented like him to feel confidence in. Here's my guy. Here's the one defender. Whereas sometimes you're doing the short and intermediate, you know, it's it's the D line, it's the linebackers, it's you know the compression of the safety on top, it's in between, under all these kind of things, and sometimes that can be a, a, a little it could be tough to develop a certain skill set in that field once you haven't done it a lot. I think there has been highlights of him in Texas A&M's game, especially, where we did see some of those quick slant routes, some of those underneath throws where he threw them in good timing and rhythm, and and one of them Burton actually took to the house uh, for a good like 20-something yard completion in the low red zone. We also saw a really good uh, touch throw on a deep cross to Burton where he sat in the pocket, retreated again, and then threw a nice little deep cross uh, to Burton for a touchdown in the uh, high red zone area. So we're seeing Jalen Milrow start to find his way as far as what he does extremely well. We're seeing Tommy restart to to see that, too, and, and take advantage of those things. And hopefully just through repetition, he'll continue to improve in the short and intermediate. Now, to go with the point that you mentioned, Ryan, about his changing of his release points, so to speak, I think that is someone who is occasionally trying to take a little steam off the football and by doing that, he's almost trying to baby it or guide the throw, whereas uh, the example that I teach my students all the time, Pitchers in baseball, when they throw a fastball and when they throw a changeup, they look exactly the same. It's just the right. amount of force in which they're driving and throwing through it with their lower and upper body. The same thing with quarterbacks. When you throw a touch throw or a power throw, the motion should look relatively the same. The only thing that changes is which the power force that you apply to it. And this is something for a young quarterback who's doing it you know, right in front of her eyes in the SEC against some of the better you know, players in the country. I think it's hard for him occasionally to keep that rhythm and that feel the same, right? And uh, it's something that will just continue to take more time and development. But, you know, kudos to him and Burton being able to make the plays necessary in the passing game because Alabama could not run the ball worth a a damn in this game. They were negative 13, I think, at halftime. So, you know, it it was unbelievable. Burton with the one-on-one fade down the right sideline. Phenomenal catch as he's doing the pirouette and getting his toe tap in. Fantastic. The slant where he caught it and broke two tackles. Another great example of that. So uh, it's good to see that Alabama isn't one-dimensional. It's good to see that Jalen Milrow is growing at the position and it's also great to see that Burton is being able to capitalize this off too because this dude is a very good football player
1: Uh, I'm very fascinated just talking about this stuff and just in general by this offensive approach because not a lot of I, I can't really think of anyone else who's effectively done this and if you really break it down why it's making sense the stuff that you just talked about from the quarterback's perspective where he's not really seeing the field The way that he can just yet short to intermediate. And you can kind of see that with Milrow. It seems like he's really just processing things slowly. It's kind of the Daniel Jones effect where you see in the pocket of things aren't coming quickly. And that's what leads to some of these interceptions, some of these incompletions. It feels like when we're going deep with Jalen Milrow and to, to guys like Burton, a lot of that thinking is removed. He's being a little bit more natural of an athlete. But if you look at that defensive approach, everybody's coming up, they're loading the box, they're coming downhill. They're trying to prevent Milro and that running back group from picking up any yards. That it is leaving that over the top. It's just such a fascinating approach, and I do give Tommy Reese some credit for just saying nothing's really working right now. Well, let's just try this. This is not exactly the most efficient and effective way um, to usually produce yards, and it's actually working for them.
2: Yeah. Well, and, I mean that, and, that's
0: so, yeah. Go I, ahead. I was just Ryan. gonna
2: say, Matt. Like that, that's that's what good offensive coordinators do, right? Like you adjust to what the team that you have is and what their skill sets are and what their strengths are. Right. So Jalen Milrow right now is seeing the ball a lot better, the deeper you get down the football field. So dialing up some of those shots and some of those chunk plays, that's probably the best for this Alabama offense right now. I mean, the kid threw for over 300 yards this past week. So obviously it worked. And I, I mean, just quick shouts, obviously we're talking about Jermaine Burton here. This was a kid that I was excited about coming to Alabama Before last season, because he was at Georgia, but you would see the occasional flash play of the same things you're seeing now of ability to create chunk plays and create explosive plays. Mm -hmm. And it just hadn't really hit last year. Like it didn't really come to fruition. There was still good, but there was still a lot of just wanting more. Right. And the the consistency factor that you talked about, Milrow, it's going to be the same for Burton for me moving forward. I think that kid has a lot of athleticism, really good speed, really dynamic football player athletically, but can he do it on a week-to-week basis? That's really what I'm hoping to see. And obviously, it was was a great sign to see him go, go, go for almost 200 yards, 197 in this victory.
0: The one thing I want to highlight, too, for Burton that I I was really impressed with is just his physicality at the position. It's something that we're seeing more and more in the SEC, especially, um, but also across the country. Just these guys that are almost kind of built like running backs at the receiver position, strong legged, strong upper body, really good with contested catches and typically makes the first guy miss or or breaks the tackle very consistently, so it's going to be a really good one-two punch. And Alabama is still a team to be concerned with in the SEC West, and uh, despite their their headaches that they've had, they still are the most consistent football team in that division.
1: Yeah, we're we're really going to find out if this is replicable against the best teams that they play, and it's it's funny because the Alabama schedule for the rest of the way is not that tricky and one of their biggest most difficult matchups is going to be against lsu which is a terrible defense so they're probably going to be able to throw the ball easier than they ever have so that's obviously something fun to monitor and we're going to see how that all turns out the rest of the season at joe DeLeon, at sims complete qb at rising draft thank you folks for tuning in as always hit that subscribe button and we'll be back with more toodles